the default of democracy. Hello and welcome back to Default of Democracy with Nancy Sims and Christian Triamar. We had a little gap there, Christian, <laughs> because you had surgery and I had laryngitis for the entire month of July. So we're glad to be back. Yeah, I'm happy to be back, Nancy. It's just been a lot of stuff going on. Everything, just so many things in politics has happened since we've been gone. So we might we might have missed a few things, but we're still going to touch on a lot of things. Well, as we speak today, ex exactly about now on August 3rd, uh, President Trump is appearing in federal court for his third indictment of this time frame. This one on January 6th related charges and also the attempt to overturn the election. So this one's in federal court, not in New York or in uh, Florida, but actually in Washington, D.C. So there's a lot of things going on related to that. We're, t we're talking earlier, Nancy, about how even Mike Pence is making his court appearance to to bring up uh, the case with um, him and his colleagues and Trump. So it's going to be interesting seeing how this is going to turn out. And it seems that Trump's notoriety is actually increasing his popularity. It seems like even people who are in my age group seem excited to have, I don't want to say a criminal as a, as a president, but you know, someone who could possibly go to prison, it's looking like Nancy, but we don't know what's going to happen going forward. But I think that Trump's notoriety is increasing his, his popularity immensely, especially in Texas, as we've seen during the last elections, how he won the Texas voters. So we'll see what's going to happen going forward. Well, I think Trump's pretty secure in Texas as it is. He continues to be immensely popular. And you're right, though. Uh, the polls are showing that he's, even with Joe Biden, that basically half our country supports him, even though he's under indictment and facing prison terms if he's found guilty on any of these three currently he's indicted on on a a payoff scheme to uh in the stormy daniels scandal he's under indictment for hiding classified documents and then this third indictment as we mentioned relevant to january 6th and and false electors trying to obstruct justice in the peaceful transfer of power and then uh, soon to come, it's perceived as an indictment in Georgia for interfering with the election there. So it's four indictments he may be facing, but every indictment seems to increase his fundraising yeah. and make him more popular. Yeah, so this is a point on default of democracy where we like to remind you that your engagement in the process makes a huge difference. Uh, and when you default your involvement and paying attention and, and voting in the future, this is how, how things happen. So this is the only president in history that has faced something like this. 
It's reminding me of uh, Watergate again with Richard Nixon. So we'll see what's going to happen going forward. I was reading an article the other day. It was talking about that Trump was burning through all of his campaign money just on his his cases that he's having to fight. So that's that's pretty interesting. He's still getting money donated to him because, I mean, the as you can see, the people obviously still love him and. I've seen a lot of things on social media where they're talking about, hey, I don't even care if he goes to prison or not and gets convicted or not, I'll still vote for him. And that's insane because, you know, as a president, you know, you want an upstanding citizen, no criminal record, you know, good, you know, highly educated individual. Like, why would you want to vote for someone that could possibly be, a, you know, a criminal or like, you know, corrupt and you know, detrimental to the country. So like me and me and you say all the time, Nancy, like you got to do your research. You got to, you know, make informed and, you know, educated decisions about like, what do you want for your future and your life and your family? Like this person, it doesn't have your best interest at heart. Like he obviously has, you know, him and his his friends and his family's interests at heart, as you can see, you know, the the type of things that's been happening. And it's like with any other presidential candidate or any presidents, you know, throughout history, we've never seen this type of behavior. It's kind of unorthodox. It is unorthodox. And Richard Nixon in Watergate never was indicted because he resigned and took himself out of the process. And uh, Gerald Ford pardoned him for many potential criminal charges. So I think Trump thinks if he wins the presidency, he'll just pardon himself and then he'll yeah. be he'll be clear. But, you know, the attitude is it's a plot by the Democratic led Department of Justice to attack him. And so we're just really in this quagmire. Yeah. But let's bring it home. Speaking of quagmires. Uh, let's bring it to Houston where, and Texas, where the, you know, we've talked about HISD all since we started the podcast, Christian, Houston Independent School District. And we're now into the second month of the takeover and days away from school starting. And it's just a bomb a day, basically, on yeah. what's happening in HISD. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have a real personal connection with HISD because, you know, Houston Independent School District was a school district that I graduated from and attended my high school and middle school. I really felt, we were talking earlier about how we felt about, you know, the library situation, the new superintendent that it got taken, that taken over um, due to, you know, Texas doing taking over HISD and even Mayor Sylvester was talking about how, you know, he wasn't, you know, too comfortable about what's going on in the school system. And I've seen a lot of people, I've been talking in the community with some of, you know, the constituents out in the community about the situation that's going on. Some parents are actually supporting what's going on with the disciplinary centers. A lot of people don't really, they're not really supportive of, you know, libraries. Cause like I say, you know, the critical race theory, they're like, oh, you know, what are these books even teaching our children? So a lot of, you know, there's a lot of parents out there saying, you know, okay, like let's, okay, that's fine to reduce the libraries to have disciplinary settings. Cause I want my children separated from these so-called problematic children, but is this really 
gonna help the future like is this really gonna help our children nancy going forward like truly is this gonna help them or is it just gonna be detrimental to the future i would you know go to a principal go talk to a counselor here and there but you know that really didn't really do anything until you know i just buckled down and had a teacher that actually cared and listened and you know then I started focusing more on my studies and then you know they motivated me and told me hey you can go to you know if you do make good grades you can go to college and then you can do you can learn a lot of things and do whatever you want in life and I truly think that a lot of children are misguided right now in the public school systems and they don't have the proper guidance and I'm not going to blame the parents so maybe you know the resources aren't being allocated properly to properly to the correct schools and it's just been a huge problem. I got to tell you though Christian I'm a fan of libraries and I didn't go to HISD I went to Galena Park Independent School District it was a little poorer even than HISD if you could believe that but uh and many of you know I'm a huge Astros fan and one of the ways I became an Astros fan was by reading books. The, when the Astrodome was first built, they would give out lots of tickets and they encouraged summer reading. And if you would read a certain number of books, you'd earn free Astros tickets. And so that's where my love of the Astros was born. And so I'm very partial to libraries and I'm upset about them closing inside the schools. But what can we do as an alternative? And this is where the big debate's coming in. I mean, local control of HISD is gone. Mm -hmm. So people like Mayor Turner are trying to speak out and offer solutions, but there's they have no impact. Yeah. And so it's becoming an issue in our mayor's race as well. Mm -hmm. and, and so what can the city do to to bolster HISD. You know, it's very sad for even the parents because they don't have really much control over it now, and this is their children's future. You know, I wasn't rich enough to go to Barnes and Nobles as a kid, <laughs> so I had to go to the public library at my school. I remember in eighth grade, I would read, because, you know, they let you check out like three or four books a week. I would probably go through at least two to three books a week because... I didn't really have that many friends into towards the end of middle school. So the libraries were my getaway. And that's where, you know, I learned a lot of things, you know, the, the internet wasn't as popular back in the day. So, you know, I couldn't really afford a laptop. Or there a wasn't even internet when I was uh, in school. <laughs> well, it was a little different for me and you, Nancy, but you know, we had, we did have, you know, a little computer time, even at the school library. So, you know, that's where I would learn a lot of things on the internet, do my research and just learn, you know, read all these these just interesting books and just learn a lot about the world. So, you know, seeing these libraries getting, you know, getting changed into disciplinary centers, it's, it's, really, it's really heartbreaking, Nancy. Well, and I think, Christian, again, when we talk about the default of democracy, here's a great example. I mean, Governor Abbott is responsible for the takeover of HISD. We continue as Texans to reelect him as governor with border security issues and people being upset about buoys in the river or the takeover of HISD is, although Houston didn't vote for Governor Abbott, 
But when we look at our how this is becoming an issue in the mayor's race, if I were one of the mayoral candidates, I'd say how I'll be beefing up city libraries. Yeah. I think one of the things I could say is I'm going to beef up the city libraries. I'm going to extend the hours. I'm going to create more access programs for kids in these neighborhoods where their school libraries are being shut down. You know what, Nancy? I think that's interesting that, you t that you're bringing up that topic because I was looking at a video the other day where, um, you know, we have a huge homelessness problem in Houston, especially, especially you go downtown. And I saw someone getting, a, you know, fined for giving out food to the homeless. So we have all these programs and these different type of things. So do you think that going forward that there will even be support by even local ordinance or you know the police department would they be even be on board to support these type of programs where you try to help the homeless or help kids in these or do you think that that would be a, a type of situation where someone could potentially get get fined for trying to help out those less fortunate I think that's the point of our mayoral election. You have to ask those questions of these candidates. And I have heard a couple of the candidates. I've heard Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. I've heard Robert Gallegos and Gilbert Garcia speaking out very loudly on the HISD issue. I've heard a little less from Senator Whitmire, although if we look at his historical support of education funding, it's outstanding. But right now, I don't hear him calling out the state takeover as much. And I think that's because a lot of his base of support in the mayoral election is coming from Republican voters, as recent yeah. polls showed. Yeah, more conservative so, people, yes. Yeah. But I do think as we are encouraging you all to get involved in the city elections, which may we remind you are this November, president is not until next, next year, <laughs> but this November we're electing a new mayor and city council. So uh, we are encouraging you to get involved, ask questions, visit their websites, learn about them. If HISD is something you're passionate about, what are these a candidate's doing on the issue. But speaking of these candidates, let's talk about money. When we start talking about money, you know, I start thinking about my student loans that I have to pay back soon. Thankfully to the um <laughs> to the to the Republicans in Congress. Thank you guys. You know, you you're keeping me keeping me on my toes. So we're gonna have to start paying that back. So why don't you talk about the money issue we're for? Well, I mean, five candidates have over a million dollars in the bank. So that's Senator Whitmire, that's Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, Lee Kaplan, and Gilbert Garcia. Now, Robert Gallegos doesn't actually have a million dollars in the bank, but he's he's still polling in the top 2%, which isn't great. But Whitmire's had the war chest ever since, even before he you know announced his his run for mayor. So I think, like I said, we, you know, we compared the websites of Mr. Whitmire to Sheila Jackson Lee. Hopefully she updated her website to add, you know, the Spanish page because there's a lot of, you know, uh, Spanish speakers in Houston. But, you know, as we could tell, it looks like, you know, Whitmire has a lot more uh, just promotional things going on. I've seen a lot of commercials. I've seen billboards, a lot of flyers out of Mr. Whitmire. 
but I haven't seen that many um, ads or anything for Sheila Jackson Lee. I've seen even like social media ads, and it's just been a lot of. I think Sheila Jackson Lee has a lot of things to catch up on in these next couple of months. And so as for the money issue, I truly think that John Whitmire does have a have a huge, you know, just head start in front of everyone else. And his his supporters even donate large amounts of money to him. They both they both have a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> and so I think you're you're seeing uh, Jackson Lee focus in target communities yeah. and do more of a a grassroots campaign. I think you're seeing Senator Whitmire do a frankly a little more professional yeah. campaign. I think he's spending his money wisely. So, you know, this race is a neck and neck contest. And uh, but I do want to speak to the poll that was recently featured in the Chronicle. It showed it showed the two candidates neck and neck mm -hmm. in the first round. It had 34 percent for Whitmire and 32 percent for Sheila Jackson Lee. And I would say I think that's fairly accurate. Uh, it did predict a runaways win for Whitmire in the runoff, but I, I think that may be a little more challenging as the campaign unfolds over the next few months. But there's no question that that his big war chest benefits his campaign. I really do think it's going to be a super close way. It's going to be very interesting. I hope a lot of people are paying attention. These elections in the past have been notorious for low voter turnout so like we always advocate in every podcast please go out do your due diligence vote don't be the type of person that just ignores everything and then you see all these issues and problems and then you complain just do your due diligence tell your friends tell your family bring a friend to go out to vote doesn't matter who they want to vote for as long as they get their voices heard. I mean, essentially, we're three months from electing a new mayor. And let me give you a historical perspective. There are 2.3 million people in the city of Houston. A high voter turnout election would be 200,000 voters. So, people, that is not okay. That is just not okay. Mayors have more impact on your day-to-day -day life than do presidents, and yet we'll spend half our time talking about who's going to be president of the country, but you're complaining while you're listening to presidential talk in your car, you're complaining about the street you're driving down, and yet you won't take the time to vote in a city election. So this is something we're going to get more intense about over the next few weeks. This is a weeks. really serious issue. And Nancy, I think it's funny that you brought up the points of, you know, people complaining about, oh, wow, these potholes and this and that, but it's like, you continue to ignore these elections and like you're caring about these potholes what is more important than these potholes like our children's future you know uh public transportation the pollution you know there's so many more uh different things going on that's water supply water supply flood mitigation don't forget about that nancy like <laughs> there's so many other issues than these terrible houston roads yet you don't care enough to go out and vote and that should be on your mind in these next three months just get focused and get educated do your research and just go out there to the polls and vote 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 don't matter who you vote for just, just vote, vote.
And that's and that's our closing note for this podcast. We are reaching out and hoping to interview some of the candidates for city council uh, and the upcoming city races this fall. And we'll we'll keep you posted and look for more frequent podcasts as we move forward. Thank you so much. This is Nancy. And this is Christian. Please go out and vote. <laughs> Please vote. Thank you.